0: Our guest for today's episode is my brand new friend, Scarlett Hiltemaitl. Scarlett is a wife, a mom, a writer, and the author of an amazing book called Afraid of All the Things. She's hilarious, she's wise, she loves Jesus like crazy, and you are going to positively love her. In today's episode, Scarlett is talking to those of us who totally wrestle with fear of basically all the things, which is so me. And she's going to be showing us how we can find peace, rest, security, and Jesus in the midst of it all. In this episode, Scarlett tells us the story of the day when she actually came face to face with her biggest fear and lived through a real-life tornado. Crazy. And she's going to share with us why when that moment actually arrived, she wasn't actually afraid. Friends, if you've ever struggled with fear and anxiety, and if you've ever wondered where to find God and security and peace in the midst of it all, this episode is for you. And in this episode, you're going to get to hear just how much this episode is for me. I totally struggle with fear, and Scarlett's words have helped so much. But before we dive in, you may have heard me mention my book, The Lipstick Gospel, and if you haven't picked up a copy yet, I would love to send one your way. The Lipstick Gospel is the story of the worst breakup I've ever been through and how God put my heart back together from it. It's my testimony, it's a travel memoir, it's a story of what God is capable of doing in and through our lives when we let him. And if you're going through a breakup right now, or if you could use some encouragement in your faith, or if you wanna get closer to God but don't know how, or gosh, a million other things, I would just love to share this book with you. You can either download a copy of the book for free, yay for free books, right? Or if you're a paperback girl like me, we have those too. You can pick them both up in my shop, it's smaywilsonshop.com, or through the link in my Instagram profile, I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, with that said, let's dive into my conversation with Scarlett. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who you're going to get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my brand new friend, Scarlett Hiltabidal, which I had to triple check how to say your last name, Scarlett. What, like, do people normally get it wrong? It is a lot of, like, syllables. There's a lot of letters in your last name.
1: Listen, there's a lot of I's and a lot of L's, and you
0: pronounced it perfectly. I'm so... Impressed. That's it. Was not it was not easy, but I had to practice a few times. I'm glad I got it right. Yes. Um, so Scarlett, I'm so excited for you to get to meet all of the women and, and for them to get to meet you. Can you just really quickly tell us who you are and what you do? And then um, I I would love to hear a fun fact from you. And I actually have a feeling it's going to be pretty good. I don't know what it is. I have no clue. <laughs> oh, no, the
1: pressure. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Not
0: be, let's, let me do that again. Let's say uh, I think it's going to be average. Do you feel better? Very average, boring, who knows?
1: Average, boring. not cool. Okay. Okay. My name is Scarlett Hiltavidel. Just like you said, I live right outside of Nashville. I'm married to Brandon and he's awesome. We've been married 12 years, which is crazy. I have three kids. Two of of my daughters are biological and one of them I adopted last year from China. And um, she is an awesome little miracle that I'm sure I'll talk more about. Well, we talk, but um, she was born without any ears. So she's was born deaf and we learned sign language as a family um, prior to adopting her. So we do a lot of sign language in our house and um, she's doing amazing. And I write books and um, that's pretty much it, I think. <laughs> oh, and fun, fact, fun um, fact. Okay. So the fun fact is I grew up in big cities like New York, Miami, and LA. And Less than a year ago, we moved from a townhouse um, in Franklin to a farm, which is like totally foreign concept to me, but I married a country boy. So we're out on this farm and we got chickens and we tried to plant things. But all of our 20 chickens either got eaten by wild animals or um, and then we got a guard dog and then he started eating the chickens. And then he started, I know, and then he started going after our neighbor's chickens and our neighbors, like an elderly woman across the street. So then we had to get rid of him. So now we are a farm with no plants or animals except one hamster. <laughs> so that is That's, that's amazing. my fun fact. <laughs> that is amazing. What's your
0: hamster's name? Hamster's name is Poe. I don't really know why um, my three-year-old named him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's no logic there. That's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. My first pet was a hamster named Princess. My sister had Duchess. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. The hamsters were a thing in our family and then they started to escape. And anyway, hamsters. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. I don't, I have not touched the hamster yet. It's kind of like my life goal. Sorry. Um, to never touch him. I clean his cage, <laughs> but I don't touch him.
0: How do you <laughs> clean his cage without touching him?
1: I get my children to touch him and hold him. And then I just do the dirty job. And um, yeah,
0: I have still yet to touch him in like two months. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like hamsters are slightly cuter, like mice or rats. It's, yeah, it's, it's a confusing pet. I don't know. I don't know. It is a very confusing cut. Like, why yes. do we want... Yeah, anyway, we could talk about that for a while. Um, so, Scarlett, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad we got to connect. I actually ran across your new book, which is called Afraid of All the Things, recently, just like in the past couple of weeks. And I was telling you this right before we started recording, but I picked up the book and thought... Oh gosh, I cannot read this. And (laughs) it was like just this instant, like, visceral reaction because I am afraid of all the things. And I was telling my sweet husband this. I'm like, Carl, I can't read this book. This book is like the worst thing I could think of to read. (laughs) And he said, Steph, I think that there's no book you should read more than this book because truly, I feel like as you wrote this, I feel like you wrote it for me. And when I was telling him about this, about chatting with you, I was like, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to get through this interview without telling everybody that I really do. Like fear is a major thing in my life and, hmm. and it's not in the big, like, there's some things that I'm really not afraid of. Like I've traveled around the world. I've lived in third world countries. I have like, I fly all the time. I've like written books. I speak on stages. There are things that I'm not afraid of, but then there are things that I like genuinely worry about a lot. And, um, Hmm. the other night I was asking my husband, I was like, Carl, our oceans, our oceans, our, our cor- the coral and the oceans are dying. The oceans are getting hot. What is happening to our planet? Like, what do we do? And I'm and <laughs> yeah. like, it's keeping me up at night. And, and like, he had to reassure me that like, we're doing our part and there are things that we can do to, you know, leave less of a footprint on the world. And But then there are mm-hmm. also really wonderful people working to, to help. And I, it's just things like that. My mind can get really wrapped around them. Um, hmm. And so as I'm reading, as I'm reading through your book, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am not alone. And, and truly <laughs> you were speaking to my soul. So everyone, that's sort of like a, a confession that The fear and worry is definitely, I mean, we've talked about on the show before, um, the anxiety's been more of a thing in my life in the last couple of years, and that's something I've been like really getting help for. Um, Mm -hmm. but along with that anxiety comes like worry and fear of like, you know, things like tornadoes or um, um, like really anything I yeah. can really get my mind wrapped around it so as I'm reading through your book I'm like this girl gets me uh, and she's speaking such truth to my heart and you made me laugh all the way through Yay. it which is I'm so <laughs> I, like I, I laughed at the, at the intro I just I, I loved it and so um, I'm just thank really so excited much. to have you here thank you so much I think it's good for scared people to laugh you know yes I, yes, I totally, I totally agree. So can you really, this, this episode is very selfish for me. So if anyone else gets something (laughs) out of this, great. Uh, but if not, but if not, thanks for being here for me. Uh, Oh, I'm thrilled. Thank you for having me. Give us some backstory when it comes to fear in your life. When did fear become an issue for you? What were you afraid of? And like, how has fear affected you throughout, throughout your life so far?
1: Okay. Well, so I've thought about this a lot. (laughs) I was telling someone the other day, it's like you live your life and you experience these seasons of fear and anxiety, but then you look back and you're kind of like, like I had to kind of evaluate that the last couple of years in writing this book. Like when did it start and why was I so afraid, you know? So I grew up in kind of an unusual setting. My mom was a cast member on Saturday Night Live And that's just, (laughs) it's awesome and unusual. And, but like, I wasn't afraid back then because it was, I I had a fun, happy life and everything was fine. I didn't really realize, and I mean, I moved a lot. So I moved a lot, we traveled a lot, but I think it all really started for me when my parents got divorced and I was five. And um, we had already moved, when I was six months old, we moved from LA to New York City because that's when my mom got cast when I was six months old. And then we moved to Connecticut so we lived outside of the city and my mom would take a train to New York. And my, when my parents got divorced, I just remember being at a barbecue. My life is awesome. And then we went to some office building and I didn't know what it was. I just knew there was colored white out. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's colored whiteout. How awesome. <laughs> and and I'm painting colored white out on a copy paper. And then we were on an airplane and then we were in a new house and I didn't have a dad anymore. And it was like, oh. I just, you know, I think we all have that moment um in our lives when we realize the world is a broken place like yeah. this it just didn't compute and i i was raised christian so i know i know for a fact that my mom was like telling me the truth and giving me scripture to comfort me, but I was a little kid. So it's like, I didn't get it. You know, I was yeah. just kind of like, where's my dad? Why are we in a new town? And then my first memory of fear was driving to school and I was nauseated and that was happening every day. I was always felt like I was going to throw up on the way to school. And so my mom took me to the doctor and he was like, you're the healthiest person ever. You have nervous stomachs. He called it nervous stomach. And it just kind of escalated from there. And then throughout my life, I Just kind of latched on to different things that would comfort me and make me feel safe, and it it just never worked. It really never worked. And I, since I was raised to believe that the Bible is true, I mean, I was hearing the gospel since birth. But I kind of my mind would kind of twist it, and I thought I had to be perfect, and so I was always anxious that I wasn't a good enough Christian, and so just kind of was a mess until I kind of figured out the gospel we'll talk more about that later anyway that's how how it started
0: oh my gosh I, I seriously I can truly truly relate to this I when I was um seeing a doctor earlier this year about my anxiety she said that anxiety and it is like going to a, like a a shelf or a medicine cabinet or something, and it pulls something off the shelf and goes, "Oh my gosh, look at this! Look how scary this is!" And mm. you have to grapple with it and be afraid of it, and it, it's like random things. And then once you sort of get through it, you get to put it back on the shelf, and then something else comes down. And it's and that's how I totally. I feel like I really resonated with that because I'm like, how can I? How is it possible that I can be afraid of like disappointing God, like? why my arm hurts and right. that there might be a tornado that sucks up my house like later today or something all right. in the same yeah. day you know it's it just yeah. was non kind of nonsensical you talk a lot in the book about about your appendix can you kind of <laughs> talk about that? that's like i i burst out laughing at the very beginning you're like i still have I <laughs> my appendix um which i know this was not as funny for for you not way. in the
1: moment, but I do laugh about it now. So I'm glad it made you laugh. Like, yes, we it really, this is still like a story that my family jokes about. But yeah, I was in a grocery store. I had just read the book Madeline, you know, the little redhead who has her appendix burst and she goes to the hospital, that children's book. And um, as soon as I knew that was a thing, and of course I told you I had nervous stomach every day already, I was like, well, that's it. I have that. I am going to die. This is going to happen. And I was just kind of obsessed with it. And my mom knew it and she'd always be like, your appendix is fine. And then one day we were in, go, we were out of town and we went into this grocery store and I was just like, it's happening. I'm dying and I collapsed. And so that was enough for my family to take me to the hospital. And they, I stayed overnight and they poked me and did all the tests and a new doctor in a new city is like, you're totally healthy, you know, <laughs> calm down. You're and so fine. it's, you know, we joke about it. But of course, like you said, in the moment that was just the beginning. And I mean, I can't tell you, Stephanie, how many doctors I've gone to (laughs) like, Hey, I have tingly hands. I don't know what's wrong. They're like, you're just ain't
0: nervous. You're totally fine. (laughs) Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the appendix story. (laughs) You, um, just at various points throughout the book kind of list, some of the things that you've been afraid of throughout the years. And I feel like this is j- just because I want, like, I felt so connected to, to your story and just sort of the wide variety of things that, that would like, worry you? And I feel like every woman listening is going to have sort of a different list, but can you just like, give us t- like, give us the scope of this? What are some of the things that have like, that have been like your appendix just in Yeah, life.
1: okay. Well, conveniently, so my publisher asked me to like handwrite a list of these things. And in the end sheets, like when you first open the book, it's my handwriting, just listing some of these things. Oh and some gosh, of them I'm sound funny, right but I mean, some of them sound funny, but I mean, I'm totally serious. So like some of them I have listed are... You know, plane crashes, food, adult onset food allergies, people asking me to serve in children's ministry. And that's a joke, but it's not a joke. Like, it's really not a joke. Like, like I have totally obsessed over, and I talk about this in the book too, like, people who work at church who are missions teams, people who would like try to get you to go on a missions trip. I seriously have spent so much brain power being anxious over. Oh no! This person is trying to find people to go to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. If I if they look me in the eye, they're going to ask me, and then I'm going to say no, and they're going to think I'm a bad Christian. Or then I'm going to say yes, and then I'm going to go to Africa. You know? So you know, I say these things jokingly, but they're legit. Um, what else? Not getting a solid nine hours of sleep. That was when I was little. What else? Okay, here's one: the ADT security installation guy seeing my passcode when I was inputting it for the first time. This is another thing that I laugh about now, but. Literally, this was several years ago, but I got a vibe from this guy, okay? <laughs> I got a vibe from this guy. And i he's like, okay, put in your passcode, the security installation guy. And I put it in and he left. And I'm like, what if he was totally watching me and he knows the layout of my house? So I called ADT and I literally changed it with the headquarters after he left. <laughs> like, <It's>, seriously, okay?
0: <laughs> I, like, I'm shaking my head, but I totally... I feel like we all have been there. We've all, like, just let our brains like stew about things. This is so... I mean, I've lived in all kinds of places in all with all different kinds of roommates, and throughout my life, um, in college, I lived with eighty nine girls in my sorority house. Actually, wow. all of us lived in the house, and you know, I've had one roommate, two roommates, whatever. So, my husband Carl and I have been married for almost five years, which is crazy. Um, and Aww. he, every once in a while, like will be out of town, and I'll be sleeping at my house by myself, and hmm. it is crazy the lengths I go to to make it look like someone is home when he's gone. <laughs> Uh-huh. Even though I am home, like someone is home. Yeah. But it's like I have oh. blow up dolls in the window. Totally. It's, <laughs> that's like the only thing I probably haven't done. It's <laughs> I say probably um, like it's turning on the alarm, it's plugging in the things so that the lights turn on and off at different times. It's, hmm. I mean, just like it is just nuts how much. Brain power. I have spent in various seasons of my life trying to make it look like someone is home when, yes, someone is indeed home. So I I get it. Yes. I feel like so many of us have been there. So you talk about this in your book. You had a big turning point in your life and in your fear, and you call it your gospel awakening. Can you tell us about that? Yes.
1: Okay. I love talking about this so much because I grew up hearing the gospel. I grew up understanding it in a way, you know, I think I, just briefly, my kind of testimony is I saw a play about women on death row when I was 14, and I'd grown up in the church, but I was really all about trying to be perfect. And um, when I saw that play, it really touched me because I was like, oh, these these fake women who are acting, who are pretending to be murderers, like Jesus loved loved them and saved them, even though they broke all the rules. And it just kind of touched me, and I believed, and I I really believe that that is when I started pursuing the Lord and I was reading my Bible and, um, I don't know when the shift happened, but really quickly I went from feeling saved from the rules to feeling saved by the rules again. And I think that, like, I don't think I would have verbalized it this way then, but I think that the way I believed, honestly, until about eight years ago was I thought, okay, I'm going to make it into heaven because Jesus died for my sins, but I better do a really good job after that. You know, I better earn his favor. Otherwise, he's not going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because I'd read those verses about the people who did all these things in his name and he said, depart from me, I never knew you. So on top of all my bizarre anxieties, I always had this really intense underlying anxiety that I was doing Christianity all wrong, that Jesus was not really good, that he didn't really love me. So my gospel awakening moment, you know, in the book, I kind of walk through all these different seasons of anxiety from the appendix to the wanting to marry my high school sweetheart so bad that I would do anything, you know, and for him to like me, you know, like every thought in my head every day was, how can I make my teachers love me? And how can I make this guy want to marry me by the time we turn 18? Like that was my life goal. I look back on that season where I was striving and I was just kind of shifting from one kind of grasping for control to the next thing. And then I was in college and I developed these eating disorders and I was a mess and I was living this double life to hide that sin. And then, um, and this is another story that I, I talk about this in my next book that's coming out in July. But, um, the eating disorder thing was a huge miracle of the Lord. But long story short, he kept leading me to or prompting me to confess my sin in his word for three and a half years and I wouldn't do it because I was too proud and I didn't want people to know and when I finally did it like literally the day I did it he healed me and I never again had a desire to do anything dysfunctional with food ever again and it's been 10 years so that was wow I know, I know. God is so amazing. I mean, literally, he would, he kept directing me to Proverbs 28, 13, which says, He who conceals his sins will not prosper, but if you confess your sins, you'll receive mercy. And I'm like, No, God, I got, I can do this on my own because I'm, I'm, you know, I work at a church. I'm a pastor's wife. It was all this long list of excuses. But anyway, I moved on from that. And then I got pregnant and then I had a baby. And then it was like peak anxiety. <laughs> so then I was, I think I was the most anxious ever in life when I had my first baby because I had had this um l- real life-threatening miscarriage right before that pregnancy
0: oh.
1: and um I was just so worried that something bad was going to happen to her. So, sorry, long-winded way of getting to this gospel awakening moment. I was on I was at this retreat for pastors' wives because at the time my husband was a pastor at this big church. And it was like 20 women sharing parenting advice. And I had brought my three month old because I was so nervous to even leave her with her awesome dad who would have taken great care of her. And I'm like bouncing her standing in the back of this group. And they're all sharing books that are helpful and awesome discipline advice. And I'm trying to like take it all in. And then it got to this woman named Elizabeth. And I don't even know this woman. She talked for five minutes and it seriously changed my life. But she just kind of presented her life in a way that I had never considered Um she was just like, you know what, you guys, I don't try to raise perfect children and I don't try to be the perfect mom because that's impossible. My goal in my home isn't of obedience and perfection. My goal is that my children and my husband and me, that we all see our weakness and see our need for Jesus every day and that we live the gospel out in our home. And practically what that looks like is if I snap at my kids or if I argue with my husband, I don't hide that. I do that in, I you know, I call attention to it and say, Mommy sinned, I'm so sorry. And I apologize to my husband and then I repent and I pray out loud in front of my children and I I show them what it looks like to apologize to the Lord and turn from your sin and repentance. And it was just seriously, Stephanie, like uh, this light bulb, earth shattering moment where I was like, oh, like the gospel is not just the thing that barely got me into heaven. The gospel can apply to every part of my life, my marriage, my parenting. Like I can rest because even if I fail, you know, if I fail my husband or if I fail my daughter today, Jesus still loves me. Like if I fail at this podcast interview right now, Jesus still loves me, you know? And it was just, I kind of in that moment learned that the gospel, I can apply that to my fears and I can find rest because it's not just this, you know, ghosty, ethereal God that, will maybe accept me someday. Like he's with me right now. And so that was a really big turning point with my anxiety and honestly, every part of my life. So there you go. Sorry, that was so
0: long-winded. <laughs> no, I love it. I love that. And one of the things that stuck out to me the most is, you know, I think that every once in a while we have this idea that our words don't matter or that we have to say something really profound to someone in order to make a difference or, you know, someone asks for our advice and we feel so unqualified to give advice. And yeah. it just that's such an amazing reminder that just saying how you feel and what you've learned in your life for five minutes in a group of women, <laughs> you have no idea how it's going to totally like God uses just the littlest things in our lives to totally change everything. And yeah. um, and I just love that. So, Scarlett, I, I love your story. And and so you talk about in, in the book, and you could just mention this that true peace came when you started holding the gospel up to your fears or your fears up to the gospel. You say this, so many beautiful things in your book. I've been having a hard time not just like reading it here to everybody. Um, but one of the things you say is you say, in light of the gospel, I saw that my fears, though many and rampant, do not define me. I would love for you to walk us through that. Like, How did you get to this place where your fears stopped defining you? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, it's been a process. So like all those things I just told you about in my testimony, I i was really, I was defined by them in each season. You know, I was the worried mom or I was the, you know, closeted bulimic girl or I was all these behaviors that stemmed from my fear or... Just the thing I was obsessing about at the time, like that is totally how I viewed myself, even down to like, OK, so part of my story is that I was adopted. So after my mom got divorced, she reconnected with her high school sweetheart, who was cop on the SWAT team in Miami, Florida, which at the time that I grew up there was the second most crime filled County. That's where we lived. Nice. Um, Nice.
0: Perfect for someone who struggles with fear. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Um,
1: So like my dad is awesome and he was protective and awesome. And I'm so thankful, but like dinner conversation for him was like, like he was literally the guy who would bust the door down in a drug bust. And like, so I was very aware of all the dangers all the time. And so like, honestly, until a few years ago, I would be doing these things, like maybe even with my kids, like overprotective. And I'd be like, well, you know, I'm a cop's daughter. And I I just kind of defined myself by circumstances or just things that kind of fed into my fears. <laughs> I'm looking at this section I wrote about being a middle schooler with orange hair because I had this, I thought the closer, the more orange it is, the closer it is to blonde. And I really wanted to be blonde like you. Um, so that I was like, <laughs> I would like, I'd put sun in, in my hair all the time, but I'm talking about that whole phase of life. And I know that all teenagers, you know, are kind of trying to figure out their identity but I was really panicked about it I you know I wanted to be a popular cheerleader and I wanted to be all these things and I I didn't really realize yet that none of that would ever satisfy me whether I achieved the thing I wanted or not you know satisfaction comes in Jesus and only in Jesus and I heard that but I didn't get it in my heart you know so yeah just how did it happen when did it happen Honestly, the moment of my gospel awakening thing, it's just, it's something I still, I still battle it all the time. I mean, if I look away from Jesus for one second, I will try to find my identity in what I do for work or in, in, you know, am I a good mom? And I just have to keep looking up and I just, I've gotten really disciplined about preaching the gospel, the truth of the gospel from the Bible and the truth of what the gospel has done in my life to myself every day. Otherwise, I'll forget and I'll start defining myself by what I'm afraid of or defining myself by what I'm pursuing again.
0: Oh, man, I I feel like—I hope everyone else can relate to this as much as I can because I'm <laughs> like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I also feel like Sunin is responsible for a lot of orange hair, like a <laughs> lot of orange <laughs> hair growing up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I remember laying out in the sun with lemon juice in my hair because I had yes. heard the orange— sun in thing. Um, but yes, I just I did it that a too. a little lighter, a little lighter, <laughs> but I really, I can relate so much to, to like grasping onto different identities and trying to really like control both my circumstances and myself to try to like engineer outcomes that I thought would keep me safe and that would keep me loved and included. And, and I feel like, I, I mean, I think all of us do this. So I feel I have a lot of, questions for you. And I really want you to walk us through this. I feel like we all know, a lot of us know kind of the churchy answer as to how the gospel interacts with our fears. But I also feel like I, for one, need to hear it like broken down as often as possible. Like we just need to hear the reminder of like why we don't have to be controlled by fear. And so the questions I'm going to ask you, I have like a handful more that I really want to get into may seem like obvious mm-hmm. um, to some people, they may seem totally r- not to other people, but I just, I want to like really be specific and I really want to break this down. And I, and I don't want things to, I don't want to brush over this truth as like, yeah, we, we would know this because right. at least for me, when I'm feeling so afraid, I don't know this. I do it somewhere in my brain, but I forget I've forgotten. yeah And so I, so anyway, all that to say, if the questions I'm going to ask you sound like this sounds like uh Bible study 101. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. 101, we like never graduate from 101 because God loves no, us. Seriously. It's really hard to grasp,
1: you know? Listen, I think that when I'm 90, I will still be preaching the basics to myself. I yes. think that's awesome.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Me too. Um, so I think that we, I know from reading your book and talking to you, I know that you and I share this frustration. And I think every human in the whole world does. Um, and it's this frustration that God doesn't say, Hey, uh, follow me and you'll be safe and happy and comfortable forever. <laughs> right. That's what I wish. <laughs> That's what I wish the gospel said. That's what I wish the Bible said. Um, can you talk to us about how you've wrestled with this? Like how talk us through how you've found peace knowing that God doesn't say that we're going to be safe and happy and comfortable forever. Knowing that he says in this world, you will have trouble. Talk us through like where, how you find peace in the midst of that. Okay. So here's what has happened in my life the last few years. So,
1: you know, I told you it started about eight years ago. I have an eight-year-old. So it was like, when I became a parent and heard that great advice from that woman, Elizabeth, my mind started shifting. But I think what started happening in that time was I i didn't even realize it before because I am like so skilled at distracting myself from serious, important things. I just like want to think about fluffy, happy, light things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can relate and that. I lived so many years and seasons of my life where I would like be in enough with God to feel like I was in enough with God. I was like too scared to really live in this vulnerable, surrendered way in my relationship with Him because I kind of, I don't know what my brain was doing, but I kind of had this voodoo idea of God, like, you know, because He said in this world, you'll have trouble, like you just said. I thought, well, if I really surrender to Him, all my great things I'm afraid of, He's going to test me by making all the bad things happen to me. (laughs) And like totally forgetting that He loves me, that He's good, you know, that yes, we'll have trouble, but I think just because I was too afraid to be surrendered to him, I didn't really have experience with the joy and peace that comes when you are weak and surrendered to him. So I think my, to answer your question about the safe and comfortable thing, I think I lived, and I think I had an underlying guilt about this, but I lived my life with this kind of safety, comfort defensive stance. And so like I would wake up and I'd think, how can I keep my family safe today? How can I <laughs> protect my boundaries and my time? And I mean, the way I interacted with people and plans and friendships and everything, it was like how can I be safe? I wasn't waking up saying, "Lord, will you use me to serve someone today who needs to see your love, who doesn't who hasn't experienced it?" You know, that wasn't my my filter, which, you know, the Christian life is all about, you know, the word Christian means little Christ. Like we are called to, and we get to enjoy being used by him to love the other scared people in this scary world, you know? Um, But I wasn't thinking that way. And I think just um, embracing what Elizabeth taught me in, like I said, and like you just said, like remembering and, and not, not feeling like I'm above preaching the most simple, Truths of the gospel to my heart out loud on my knees. You know, it's just that really changed everything for me because when you do spend time in prayer and you kind of go past that uncomfortable point, I was praying and I got that fear like, oh no, I feel very vulnerable right now. Does this mean God is going to take my children away and whatever? And I forced myself to like not go do something. I forced myself to not go watch Netflix. And you can't really explain these experiences you have when you feel the presence of God. But I felt the presence of God. And I felt that peace that surpasses all understanding. And through that prayer moment, and it also kind of coincided with a friend of mine, I had been sharing these fears with her. And she was like, Scarlett, if God wants you to go to Africa, he's going to give you the desire to go to Africa. If you're like genuinely saying, if you're having that stance, I just told you like, Lord, use me if he really does, if that's your prayer, he really does start to change your desires into his desires. So you'll want, like she wanted to go to Africa and be a missionary. And so that was really freeing for me because I thought, oh, like he loves me and like, he really, really loves me. And I can remind myself of that, look back in my own life and my own testimony and see, like I told you, the eating disorder thing. I mean, just remembering how lost and broken I was and how miraculous, how the miracles that that I've experienced in my life, it's just helped me to walk in peace. And again, I have to, it's a discipline, like I have to remind myself every day, but I just, I fight against that safety first stance. And I try to ask God to help
0: me want what he wants when I don't (laughs) and um, to use me. I can totally, totally understand what you're saying, and and I feel like we can all relate to it. We get really nervous, I think, when we really care about something in our lives, because we're afraid God's going to take it away, and sometimes He does. But the thing, the verse that I come back to all the time that I feel like I death grip when I'm um, in the scariest seasons of my life is Romans 8, 28, and it says, "...in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose." And I just, that verse to me has always meant like, you're not always going to know what God's doing. And sometimes in the moment, what he's doing isn't like, might not feel good or might not be exactly what you were hoping for, but it's going to be good. And And in, when you can zoom out a little bit and when you can see what he's up to, it's going to be better than what you could have done on your own. And I just, I feel like that's, We're afraid to go all in with God because we're afraid of what he's going to do or change or tinker with in our hearts. And he's going to, but it's for good. And it's going to be better than anything we could have, could have planned on our own. And so I really like what you're saying about like pressing in, about going past that. We, we stop ourselves short of, of gaining all that God has for us because we're afraid of what he's going to change. But the truth is when we let him change things in us, it's always better. It's always better.
1: There's so much joy in it too. You know, Stephanie, the most recent example I have of this is adopting my daughter, Joy. She, um, adoption, I won't be too long-winded about it, but that was a huge fear of mine and my husband always wanted to adopt. But it was one of those things where I was in a small group of people who loved Jesus and they were not pressuring me to do anything. They were just living their Christian lives in front of me every Monday night, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, it was a season in my life a couple years ago when my fears just kind of drifted into the background and that desire to go adopt our daughter with special needs. And I mean, she wasn't just deaf. Her file also said she couldn't walk and she wasn't potty trained and she was almost four years old. And we took her file to doctors and they were like, eh, you shouldn't do this <laughs> um, because there's probably underlying things going on. And and it was just, we really were, I really was living not out of fear and not out of that defensive stance. And I was asking God to replace my desires with His, and He made me want to do that. And it's just, I mean, it's just such a bizarre thing to look at the story of Joy's adoption and think that I was like the most most unlikely person to walk into something like that because of how afraid of that kind of thing I was. But it's been the most joyful thing in our family life, just, you know, getting to go meet her, see her. I mean, we didn't think she'd survive the flight home and she was in really bad shape. And now she is this thriving miracle who is fluent in sign language. And she's like advanced at school and she's running and she's just a miracle. And it's like, that was not my desire. You know, my desire was to keep my two little healthy biological children safe. Mm -hmm. And God's desire was for me to go adopt, for us to go as a family and adopt joy And it's been the most awesome thing ever because there's just so much joy when you do surrender and when you do pray that your
0: desires will shift into his desires. I love that so much. I love that so much. Use as directed. Clariton, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We love having you. One of the things that you talk about is, and I'm so glad that you addressed this, was, you know, people say all the time, God will not give you more than you can handle. And we find ourselves in situations that are just unbelievable. Exactly like mm. adopting joy. Like you're like, this is so far beyond me. I have found myself <laughs> in so many circumstances, whether they're good and scary or sad and scary that I'm like, yeah. this is so beyond my pay grade. And so <laughs> when people say God won't give you more than you can handle, like that's not true. That's not <laughs> right in there anywhere. I feel like David wasn't exactly looking up at Goliath and being like, I can totally take him. Like, <laughs> Not totally. a <laughs> yeah. But that, that when we're walking into more than we can handle, God is there. God can right. handle it, and I, I just love the way that you talk about that. And I'm so glad that you mm. mentioned that. Yes. So. In the next kind of chunk of your book, you talk about how your fears will not defeat you. Hmm. Can you talk about that journey and like how how you started to grasp that truth? I think it started with you living through a tornado. Is that is <laughs> Yeah, right? kind of. I
1: don't know. Yeah, that was actually, that tornado story, that was happening... Um, when we were two weeks away from flying to China to go adopt Joy. So, I mean, I think in that section, there's several experiences. You know, I talk about like having this big cancer scare and then walking with my mom through stage three cancer and just all these different scary events in my life. And some of them, like, honestly, I was like in that bubble of peace. I was surrendered to the Lord and it was awesome. And then other stories I share, like I was horrible and I turned away from God and I was mad at Him and, you know... And I just kind of talk through all these scary life things that I've either experienced or been afraid that I would experience. And um, just the realization, and again, the thing that I have to remind myself of, that all these things I'm afraid of cannot hurt me in the deepest way. My soul is safe in the Lord. And, you know, tornadoes do destroy homes sometimes and sinkholes open up and people get cancer and sometimes they die and sometimes they don't. But when we start to experience... Our relationship with the Lord and see that being with Him isn't just kind of this lofty idea, but it's the only satisfying thing. Yeah, I mean, I just have to remind myself that even when I walk through scary things again, although, you know, things can hurt my physical body, my soul is safe. The most important thing is taken care of by Jesus on the cross. And one day everything's going to be made new. So, Yeah. I just, cancer, tornadoes, that tornado thing. It was, I don't know, you're a Nashville girl. So you'll, you might remember a few years, it was 2017 and it was in Cool Springs and a tornado touched down and it was literally the street right next to me. And I was in a Dunkin' Donuts and I saw it passing by and the sirens were, it was crazy. But the crazy thing was in that moment, I was totally peaceful because I was already like doing this thing. God had me do. I was, you know about to board a plane with my two babies to go to China. And it was like, okay, God, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Like that really meant something to me in that moment. It wasn't just a verse I'd memorized. It was like, no matter how this shakes out, like we're going to be with you forever. So, okay, here's a tornado. That's pretty weird. And it was just so cool. Like experiencing that peace about something that weirdly I had been so death, like, listen, I'm so have been so afraid of tornadoes for so long on my husband's phone. There's a tornado emoji next to my name because (laughs) like, and it's been there for years and years and years, like before that tornado thing happened. So my god, it's just kind of bizarre that, you know, that I was peaceful in the midst of a real tornado Um, because I wasn't looking at the tornado. I was really focused on eternal things in that
0: period of time, you know? I, that is so amazing. I, I feel like I've, I, I, that is so amazing. And I feel like it's like just incredible that this has been a fear of yours for so long and that you got to, you got to see it and survive it and like see (laughs) Jesus in the midst of it. And I think, you know, there are so many stories of people like being on the brink of, of death. Or, um, I think there's some story of like a bunch of pastors being held captive by, I don't know, the Taliban or something. I -hmm. I obviously don't remember the details. But in so many of those stories, people talk about how close they felt to Jesus in that moment. And that once they're out of it and once their bodies are physically safe and they're back home, they sort of miss that experience because they felt hmm. so close to Him. And wow. I think that when I am thinking about my fears, I'm imagining facing them by myself. And the hmm. truth is, in the scariest, saddest, hardest moments of my life, God has been more present than I could have ever imagined. And so what in the world makes me think that if I'm, you know, in some place and there's a mass shooting at some point, which is a hundred percent my biggest fear other than losing, totally. my, losing my people, right. That God wouldn't be there. Like God will be hmm. closer to us. He's closer to us or he, he's, he's so present in, in the hardest moments of our lives. And so like what in the world makes us think we'd have to go through those things alone?
1: Totally, I love that so much. Yeah, that reminds me of something my sister-in-law told me once when I was, before I'd kind of, and again, I mean, I'll struggle with anxiety again, I know I will, (laughs) but like, I'm in a good season right now, but when I was in a really bad season of it, I remember telling my sister-in-law, like, you know, I can't imagine living if X, Y, Z happened. And she was like, Scarlett, you know, that's, you can't imagine it because it's not happening to you. God, you know, he, he, yes, he gives us more than we can handle, but he gives us, like you said, he gives us he, what we need, which is his presence when we walk through hard things. So like, I don't have to imagine what am I going to do if a mass shooting happens? Because a mass shooting is not, I'm not in a mass shooting right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's with us and he does give us what we need when we're walking through these scary moments. And honestly, like all this like quote, Unquote scary things I've walked through haven't been actually scary in the moment. Like the scary part has been thinking is this thing gonna happen? But like when I was dying and in, in my first miscarriage, I was my organ ruptured, I was bleeding internally. I wasn't scared. I was like in so much pain. I was like, somebody don't even numb me. Just like cut me open and fix me. This hurts so bad. I wasn't like, ah, this is scary. You know, the scary thing is anticipating the thing. I think that just yeah. being in a hard thing is hard and God is with us and he meets us there. And when we're his kids, we experience that. So
0: yeah. I think you know, I've heard people say that the, the only place you can experience God is in the present. And God is outside of time, but we're not out of outside of time. We're very much stuck in this exact moment where we are at any given moment. And so, like right. when we imagine the hardest thing we can think of. We can't really we can't experience God there because we can only experience Him right now. Like He's with right. us in this moment, and He will be there with us in whatever hard moments we go through as well. And I I feel like you're so right. You know, I think it was I'm gonna guess Teddy Roosevelt. That's probably wrong. We'll we'll correct that in the show notes. But there's that quote that says like <laughs> the only thing to fear is f- fear itself. You know, right. like the, the fear is actually so much scarier than the worst case scenario. Our worst case scenarios rarely happen actually. And when they do happen, God is there. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. One of the things I love that you talked about is a Tim Keller sermon, which we're going to look up and put in the show notes, but you talk about the different factors that contribute to our, our anxiety. Can you kind of walk us through those? I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yes. This is like my favorite thing I've ever heard about anxiety. Actually, so Tim Keller calls it the wounded spirit. I don't even know if he actually uses the word anxiety, but when I heard this sermon, I was like, "Oh my goodness, like this is so awesome and freeing and true about the anxiety I've experienced and people I know who love it." But anyway, it's on page 1, what is that? 112 of my book, but he just kind of walks through all these different types of anxiety and how treating one cause won't necessarily help another one so he talks about like physical anxiety like people who have thyroid issues have physic- they have anxiety and it's because their thyroid is off and they need thyroid medicine or people with a brain chemical imbalance like that is a physical problem and so if you have anxiety because of something physical medicine will help you and i mean i've had seasons where i was hyperventilating all the time and I took anxiety medicine, and I would stop hyperventilating all the time, and it was it was awesome, you know, yeah, but then other you know there are other types like emotional or relational anxiety maybe maybe you're like living in isolation instead of living in community the way the Bible you know the Bible tells us we need to be in community, you know the church we need to be. We need people in our lives who are going to to hold us up and preach the truth back to us. And if we're living in isolation, we're absolutely going to be anxious. And a pill is not going to help us with that. We have to actually get in community, you know? And then there's the, um, you know, there's existential anxiety and there's faith anxiety. And I think that a lot of times well-meaning Christians will be like, oh, you're anxious? You just, you're not praying enough. You're not reading your Bible enough, which that's not even, like, what is enough? There's no... (laughs) Our righteousness is filthy rags. There's never going to be enough minutes of prayer and enough minutes of the day reading the Bible that will make this world easy to endure. You know, like it's, life is hard. And in Keller's sermon, he he just says, what is the answer for the wounded spirit biblically? The answer is it's complicated, (laughs) you know, because like maybe, maybe it's your thyroid and it's spiritual. Maybe you are struggling to trust God. And if you're struggling to trust God, a pill is not going to help you. Community is not going to help you. You know, there's also, I skipped over this one, the moral anxiety. So like uh, in Proverbs, it says, the wicked flee, though no one is pursuing them. Like, you know, when you're doing something, you know, is a sin. And you're paranoid that you're going to be found out, even though no one is pursuing you. Like, that is a legitimate anxiety that should lead us to repentance. And there's nothing, there's no pill, and there's no nothing that's going to make that go away. So anyway, I just think it's really important. Um, I loved that sermon because it made me ask myself, and I think everyone should ask themselves, like, if I am having anxiety... What is the root of it? Like, what am I, yeah. am I living in isolation? Am I living in sin? Am I seeing God's word like I have in the past and thinking I'm too scared to really talk to him, you know, yeah. because we're all probably a combination of a couple of those, you know, and treating yeah. one is not gonna help if if it's because of something else.
0: I I love that. I love that so much. I think that the thing that I really experienced earlier this summer is I was really focusing on all of those different areas i was you know really doubling down on community i was talking through anything i could think of in counseling i was you know like taking care of myself as the, to the best of my ability i was spending time with the lord trying to really dig in with him and i was getting progressively more anxious and hmm. it, and it just didn't make sense and the thing that i was ignoring was actual like physical anxiety i i hmm. like my brain chemistry is off and i and right. I, that was the one thing i wasn't paying attention to and once that was able once I was able to get that sorted out everything else helped so much more because totally. I wasn't trying to compensate for that like I don't want to call it a deficiency but for that imbalance with all these other things I like that every every like section sort of has its own puzzle piece has has its own answer, solution or solution, or the, yeah, answer yeah
1: that's the word no you're right yeah you got it
0: so One of the things that, you know, you talked about all these different, I guess, yeah, antidotes to different, like, sections of fear that we're feeling, but I really love the way that you talked about prayer. Um, You talked about, like, Jesus's prescription for anxiety, and not to discount things like medicine or counseling or, like, they are all, they all have their own individual place for that individual section of our heart. But when we're feeling overcome with fear, talk to us about, like, what God says to do about it and how we actually do it.
1: Yeah, so no matter, like you said, no matter what other things are feeding into your fear, Jesus tells us to pray. You know, Philippians, I'm looking at it right now, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he tells us to present our requests to God with thanksgiving. And you look at, I mean, it's all over the Bible. He tells us to pray. And I, I was talking to someone recently who said they were frustrated that they felt like their prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. And I think that's because a lot of times we will think of prayer as like, this thing we're supposed to do in order to please God. And we just kind of like talk at him and like tell him our grocery list or whatever. But we don't realize how powerful prayer is that it is really, it's truly a supernatural. Sorry, my mom's dog just barked. I don't know. If you can do that. <laughs> um, I'm at my mom's house. She's wrangling my three children downstairs. That's um, so awesome. So yeah, it's like, it's not giving him your list of things. It's interacting with him. And if we push through that uncomfortable moment and we pray the scripture and we pray our true emotions that we're even afraid to say out loud, you know, you read the Psalms and it's like, I mean, David prayed that his enemy's teeth would be broken. Like just <laughs> being raw with God, like he knows what we feel. I've never prayed that for, about anybody, no, me but either. like, yeah. <laughs> I, but I lived so many years where I was like afraid to tell him, that I was mad at him. And I'd be like, why did my baby die? I didn't want to say that to him. But if I had, if I had taken my questions and my doubts and my sadness to him, instead of running from him, I would have experienced that indescribable you know, supernatural peace that we get to have when we're in a relationship with him. And, um, yeah, and I mean, I was, I I think it puts in the book too, that I was on a Francis Chan YouTube binge and, um, I found him talking, he was like, before he even preached a sermon, he was talking about his favorite part of being a Christian and how it was answered prayer because, you know, we all have these stories where we, prayed for something so specific, and we saw God come through in this way we couldn't have even imagined. And you can say it out loud and people are like, oh, cool, maybe that's a coincidence. But you know it's not a coincidence because you were there and God was there. And there's just so much peace that comes from that, from just living in prayer and recording your prayers and looking back on the prayers that He's answered. And
0: um, yeah, in my own life, it's just been so awesome to experience that. I love that. (laughs) Something that I've been doing my entire life since I was in sixth grade, actually, is journaling. And when I met Jesus, my journaling changed a little bit. And instead of just sort of writing into the like teenage void, (laughs) I feel (laughs) like it started to really like write to him. And the thing that I love so much about it is that I can see seasons. I can go back and read exactly what I was thinking in seasons when I was so sure that God was going to like drop the ball in seasons when I was so so confused and so hurt and so afraid and so worried that things were going to turn out in a way that I just did not want them to turn out. And then getting to see a week, a month, a year, five years later, like God's faithfulness is just incredible. And I feel like that's what builds up Our faith is getting to hear the testimony of other people of ways that God showed up in their lives and getting to read that in Scripture. I mean, the Bible's just one testimony after another, but then also getting to see it in our own lives. And I feel like I love that you said writing down our prayers and writing down these examples because when you're in the thick of it next time, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, you need to remember that God is there and that He's He was there last time and He's going to be there this time, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yep. So the last thing that you kind of, the last section that you talk about in the book is that your fears aren't forever. What does this mean and how did you learn this?
1: You know, the thing is it doesn't always work out. Life doesn't always work out the way we want it to. It doesn't always work out beautifully. I have friends who are living with stage four cancer and I have a friend whose mom has ALS, which is that, you remember the ice bucket challenge? Mm -hmm. It's like this degenerative, it's just unreal. Like we moved away from Miami six years ago and she was, her hand was feeling weird and now she's in a wheelchair. And it, you know, there are these things in life that look hopeless and like death, you know, actually losing the person (laughs) that you're so afraid to lose or the people you're so afraid to lose. Like, this is just a reality of living in this broken world. I, I talk a lot about my daughter. I call her Dewey, my three-year-old, but her, her real name is Brooklyn. We never call her Brooklyn. Um, But her real name is Brooklyn. And that's not because I love Brooklyn or anything. It's because when I was trying to decide what to name her, I looked up all these meanings and I saw that the word Brooklyn in Dutch means from the land of the broken. So we named her Brooklyn Hope, like she's from the land of the broken, but there's hope. So the whole my fears are not forever section is just, you know, I talk about these hard things that are hard to There's like no bow to tie around it, like death and these things that feel hopeless because the reality is our fears are not, these things that we're so afraid will happen, they might actually happen. And one of them is, going. you know, we all are, we're going to walk through hard things, but we really do have this crazy hope that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make all things new. And we're going to see the people that we love, you know, we're going to worship around his throne someday with our grandparents who loved him and taught us about, him. you know, our fears aren't forever. So, I, you know, I didn't want to write a book that was like, here's how you can, you know, be free from anxiety and live a perfectly peaceful, happy life. Because I don't think we can live a perfectly peaceful, happy life while we are in this broken place. I think that we have to cling to Jesus every day in our weakness, and we have to humble ourselves before the throne of God, you know, First Peter 5, 7. Um, the necklace I'm wearing right now— is from this company called Dear Mushka and she puts bible verses with jewelry and it goes with 1 Peter 5:7 which is casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The first half of that verse says humble yourselves. Like that's the whole key. It's like we we have to remember that our hope is in Jesus and that's it because we're going to forget and we're going to walk through death and our big we're going to walk through things that are scary but we have hope that our the things we're afraid of cannot affect our forever because our forever in Jesus is complete peace. No more crying, no more tears. You know, that's what that means.
0: I love that. So I have like two last things I want to hear from you about, but one of them is, can you tell us about the funniest day or the funnest day ever? I love this story. (laughs)
1: Yes. um, Okay. The story is my sweet grandpa, he died a few years ago. And at the time, my oldest uh, was five years old. And we got this Tech. I got a text that he had died. We all knew he had failing health for a long time and he had recently moved close to my parents who live pretty close to me. So it wasn't a huge shock, but death is always kind of a huge shock. You know, even if you yeah. kind of think you see it coming, this person, the patriarch of our family, who's always been there is suddenly not there anymore. It just kind of doesn't compute, you know? Yes. And so I got this text and we were about to go to ballet picture day or something, you know? So- I get this text, we go to my grandma's house and it was all a blur. Like I write about this weird time that I had never known about when someone dies. Like you think of them in the casket at the viewing and you think of like hearing, getting the phone call, but you never think about like when the coroners are on their way to come get the dead body. Like I had never thought about that. So I wasn't like shielding my my daughter, my children's eyes from death because I didn't even... I was just kind of in shock. And then I I went to my grandma's house and he was there and it was so weird. And like I held his hand and he was not there anymore. And it was so strange. So it was just a weird day. And we went to the cemetery and we were in this big van, me and my, I had two kids at the time. And my parents and my grandma and we're driving around and it had been a long, weird day, like I said. And so we hadn't eaten anything. And my dad was like, Hey, Scarlet, let's let's go out to eat at a restaurant after this, okay? And I'm like, Okay. And we're all obviously really somber because it's a weird day and we're at a cemetery. And then my daughter, who's five, she's like, dinner at a restaurant? And it, like I could see on her face that she was about to get way too excited for the situation, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm like looking at her with those eyes that are like, Don't stop. Do yes. <laughs> yes. And then and then I was like, yeah. And then he's like, Scarlett, is that okay? My dad. And then I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And then my daughter, her arms go into fists, go up over her head. And she goes, this is the funnest day ever. <laughs> and it was like, and for like a split second, we were all silent and I was horrified. And then we all just started cracking up hysterically. And then my dad was like, and my oldest is named Ever. My dad was like, Ever, you're right. Grandpa died and he's with Jesus. And for him, it is the funnest day ever. And it was just this like, Truth and hope remembered moment where it was like, oh yeah, this is really sad and weird, but (laughs) he's with Jesus. Like that's real. We really will live forever. We really believe that that's true. It's not just the thing we say. And um, yeah, that that was (laughs) Grandpa died the funnest day
0: ever. (laughs) I I feel like that's. I I love that. I feel like that's the perfect summary for this. Like the world is hard and super screwed up and, and there are so many things that are scary and sad and, and that sucks. And I wish that that wasn't the case, but it's not always going to be the case. And, and it's not the end of the story. It's, it's the right. beginning of the story, but the end of the story is redemption and we're saved and we're rede- and Everything's fixed and it's better and it's better than better. It's better than we could imagine. Yep. And that's, that's the business that God's in. And, and it's not today, which is frustrating. Like not everything is totally better today, but it's, Going to be, it's in process, right. it's in, and we can we can count on that. And so our suffering is like, so it's like in it's John 16, 33, I think it's like in this world you'll have trouble. We know that's true, but then Jesus says, "Take heart, I've overcome the world." And like exactly. that's where hope comes from. Yeah, Scarlett, I would love it if you would just like bring it home for us, friends. Like we're living in this crazy, scary world. Tell us the truth. Like, just leave us with truth.
1: So sometimes when I'm overcome with fear, like, but sometimes, you know, when you're kind of in that half awake, half dream state, and you're like, maybe about to have a nightmare, and you're like, oh no, I'm thinking of scary things, or it's like 2 a.m. and everything is extra scary because it's 2 a.m. Sometimes I'll have these moments where like, I can't think of a verse and I don't know what to pray and all I can think is Jesus. And so I just, like, if that's the only word I have, that's the word I'm going to say, because there's power in the name of Jesus. And um, I mean, that's the thing I want people to grasp, that it's all our lives are all from Him and they're for Him. And there's power in His name and there's power in His word. And if we just get on our knees every day and remind ourselves who He is and who we are in Him, that's where we will find peace. And it's a fight every day. We're going to fight for peace. But my husband said the other day, like, we don't have any peace. Like, peace doesn't come from us. We can't muster it up. It comes from Him. So um, we can rest in that. We can rest in the gospel. We don't have to strive to be peaceful. We don't have to strive to insulate ourselves from pain. We can rest knowing that Jesus has overcome everything. And like you
0: said, everything's going to be made new and
1: yeah, that's it. There you go.
0: I <laughs> love it. Friend, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for writing this book and for writing something that like, for giving us scaredy cats something to laugh at. Like, thank you for, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for, for making it funny. Thank you for like giving us an opportunity to, to like laugh in the face of the things that we're afraid of. And and thank you for, so sweet. for reminding us of what's true, because I know that I, for one, really need it all the time. So I'm really grateful for you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so honored you had me on. This was awesome. And it's it's a good reminder for me, too. I have to, like I said, I got to remind myself, too.
0: <laughs> every day. Every day. Well, thank you, friends. <laughs> thank you. You guys, isn't Scarlett amazing? I just love her, and I love her wisdom. My gosh, game-changing, right? Friends, that is it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. They won't send you an email or anything, it'll just make sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls Night, and I will see you next week.